directors. So thankful for their leadership and their guidance. Please clap, that's wonderful. And I appreciate them even as they travel. Um, this week is general conference and we're thankful for them to be able to go and refresh and get what they need from the Lord. And how many of you are, uh, have found what he has been preaching about on these Wednesday nights, the devil's devices, very, very good, very timely to what we're facing. And I was thinking about that and, um, and studying and when pastor asked me to speak tonight, he said, you, you speak on what you, what you feel. Speak on what you feel. You let the Lord lead you. You speak on what you feel like speaking. I've been speaking on the devil's devices. You speak on whatever you feel. And, and I'm sure he wasn't really hinting. He really meant to seek after the Lord. And he didn't know, but I already had some things going around in here along those lines anyhow. And I do believe that this is what the Lord wants to talk about tonight. Amen. How many of you know that we are emotional beings? We face some emotions sometimes. Oh, especially during the last year plus. How many of you have gone through some emotions? Quarantined at home, feeling a few emotions, can't go anywhere, can't do anything. How about when somebody asks you to put a mask on or somebody says you don't need to wear a mask? Somebody says, get a vaccine. Somebody else says, don't get a vaccine. Your emotions going on a roller coaster? At least I know mine are. But I know that God has a way. He made us this way, actually. We are emotional beings. He gave us a heart. He gave us a soul. And those emotions, he actually created for us to experience. He made us spiritual beings to have emotions. He created us in three parts. We have a body. That's our physical flesh. We have a spirit, and that is the part the Bible says goes back to God. That's the God part in us. And then we have a soul. Sometimes we call it the heart. That soul or heart is what we kind of call our self-conscience. That's our personality. That's our uh, emotional center. That's where we experience our, our emotions in our soul. And I am thankful that he made us in his image. So it's not wrong to experience emotions. He even said, be angry and yeah, that's a hard one. Be angry, but rein it in. Don't let the anger get the better of you, right? So we have some emotions. We have good ones. We have love, joy, peace, happiness, excitement. Those are good emotions, and they're okay. And even when you think about it, the fruit of the Spirit is a whole lot of emotion. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness. A lot of emotions right there in the fruit of the Spirit. But in contrast, we know there are some pretty bad ones. We can experience anger, frustration, despair. We can feel fear, depression, worry, loneliness, and a whole host of others that have negative connotations, negative emotions. 
And where do these emotions rest? Where are they located in our being? Inside, in our soul. And I'm going to come back to that idea later, the inside of us. But this is an area, talking about the devil's devices. Boy, if he can get you in an emotional state, he's got an in. If he can get you all worked up in some way or another, that's an in for him to open some doors, to make some changes, to allow some things to happen. It's a way for him to attack. Why? Because that's a doorway. There's not a single thing that we face, no trial that we go through, that doesn't somehow affect our emotions. I was thinking about that, you know, even if it's our physical body, if we're going through something in our physical flesh, if we are having a sickness, if, you know this, just a little hunger pain, then you get frustrated. You get irritable. Just, just a little hunger pain, that's your flesh, right? But boy, don't let somebody come along right at that moment and ask you to do something, because, whew, you're hangry. We have a word for it. Just a headache. Just a headache. And what's that do to your emotions? Makes you lethargic, makes you not want to talk to people, makes you easily frustrated. Kids, don't be loud right now. Right? That's your flesh. What about a major pain? Not that long ago, and what kind of started this little journey uh, on our way to vacation a few months back, I was driving and suddenly sharp pain in my shoulder. Oh, just the pain was so bad that eventually you, you can't think of other things. You're trying to pray, but mostly your prayers are take this pain away. You can't focus on other things because you're in a lot of pain. That, that's the suffering, but it affects your emotions. And I felt like the Lord was saying, look, that was some shoulder pain you had little shoulder pain. There are saints that you know of, their testimonies, they're going through whole body pain, struggling every day, and they're coming to church, still praising the Lord, still serving Him. And I was put under by a little pain in my shoulder. Kind of opened my eyes for that. But in your physical flesh, you can suffer things. You get a bad report from the doctor. And what do you think then? You start to get anxious, a little worry, some fear. What's going to happen? Is this a real thing? So even your physical flesh can contribute to your emotions and the emotions you have. But not only your physical flesh, what about the circumstances you face? Think about your job. Get an email from your boss. Can I see you after work today in my office? That's never happened to me. What immediately happens? Oh, what's wrong? I don't want to wait till after work now. I want to know what's going on now. I want to see why he wants to meet with me now. I don't want to wait. I'm getting impatient. I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting nervous. What's wrong? And then all you can think about the rest of the day is what he wants to talk to you about. Men? What about a coworker might get an award? Maybe even for something that you did. I've experienced that too. Somebody gets credit for the idea you had. Oh, that was mine. What do you do? A little jealousy? A little bitterness might seep in? See, your circumstances can also affect your emotions. Driving your car during rush hour, 
sometimes driving your car anytime. Boy, that person's driving slow. Do they not know where the gas pedal is? I've never said that one either. I appreciate Pastor being honest in his driving frustrations. Because we can all relate, right? We've all been there. We've all been frustrated, angry at people and their driving. Because it's not your driving. It must be theirs. And what happens if you get an unexpected bill or a change in your insurance policy? Something crazy, un unexpected. What's, gonna, what's that going to do to your emotions? It's going to cause some fear and anxiety. All of life can affect your emotions. You can't filter it out of your emotions. You can't experience something in your body or in your circumstances and be completely emotionless. It doesn't happen. Something will trigger those emotions and those things can affect how you respond to a certain situation. The enemy can take that emotion and if it's not checked pretty quickly by the spirit, he can start doing some damage. Your mouth can respond with a sly comment about that coworker. You can, you know, say things you might not ought not say when you're driving behind somebody going a little too slow. My wife laughs at me because sometimes I say, come on, bud. Come on, bud. And she starts laughing at me. you calling him bud. You don't know him. Come on. Hey, buddy. One time I said, why are we tiptoeing through the tulips? <laughs> that really made her laugh. I don't, I, and her laugh made me laugh, but that's not the first emotion I had. The first emotion was, what's going on here? Right? But if we are not careful, the devil can get a foothold in those emotions and then throw you out of whack so that you can't see what God's trying to do. Those emotions can set you off course, get you all wrapped up in other things besides what he wants you to do. But we know that God has the answer. We don't have to live in an emotional turmoil. We don't have to because we have the Holy Ghost. He says in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, Isaiah 26 and verse 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Peace is an emotion and I can stay in perfect peace if I keep my mind where? Focused on him. If I keep my mind on him, he'll keep me in perfect peace. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing. Don't worry, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. My coworker got that award. It was, should have been mine, but thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. That's not easy to do, is it? Whew, it's not easy. But God doesn't ask us to do easy. He never even said it would be easy. He just said, I'll give you the strength to do it. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Amen. These emotions are not entirely horrible. It's not bad to have emotions. Like I said earlier, God created us with the ability to experience these emotions. They're not bad. It's what we do with them that matters. You have to use them as a gauge. You can use the emotions to tell you something's off, something's not right. I'm feeling anxious right now. What's the source of that? 
Why am I feeling anxious? I'm feeling afraid. I'm feeling down. I'm feeling depressed. Whatever that emotion you might be experiencing is, you can use that as, an, as a gauge to say, okay, something isn't right, Lord. What's going on? What's going on in my life that needs to be rerouted, redirected, so that I can not feel this feeling of fear or frustration or whatever it is? You can use your emotions as a gauge, but they are not to be a guide. And so many people in the world, I, I really loathe that phrase when I hear people say, just what's your heart telling you to do? Just, just follow your heart. Oh man, you'll get in more trouble following after your heart. Because you're going to just make decisions based out of emotion if that's really what you're following. And the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Just follow your heart. I don't want to follow my heart. My heart's not going to lead me anywhere near the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to go near the throne of God following my heart. Can I get a witness? I can't follow my heart. It's deceitful. It's desperately wicked. But Proverbs 3, chap chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Even this wicked thing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't trust. Don't lean to your own understanding. I don't want to lead to my own understanding because I don't know a lot. I mean, I think I do. Sometimes, you know, I get up in front of my AP chemistry class and I think I'm prepared. And then some little student always thinks of something that I wasn't ready for. And then I'm like, oh, 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 oh. I never thought of it like that. And then I feel kind of foolish and reminded that, you know, you're not the sage on the stage. You don't know everything. But sometimes I think you know, it makes sense, it's logical to do this, then this, then this, but not according to the Word of God. Don't lean to your own understanding when it comes to decisions of the heart. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him. And what? He will direct your path. Not my emotions. I can't see what's going to happen after church, let alone what's going to come tomorrow or next week, right? I don't know the path that I'm going to take, but I've put my ways in his control, and he's going to lead my path, because I'm not trusting in my own understanding. I'm just going to trust in him. Proverbs 28, 26, a powerful verse. He that trusts in his own heart is a fool. Not even going to sugarcoat it. If you're trusting in your own ideas, your own ways, that's a very foolish thing. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. I can't trust in my own heart. It's not ever going to lead me in the right path. Now, I can have some good emotion, and I can have some intuition and a good gauge, but that doesn't mean that that's the path I should take. I need to trust in God, acknowledge my ways before Him. You ever feel that feeling? Talking about emotions, oh, I just don't feel like it. Ever get that feeling? Oh man, I feel like that probably more than I should. Gotta do the dishes. Yeah, gotta pay the bills. The big one right now is gotta mow the yard. And it keeps on raining. And I keep watching that grass grow. 
Oh, gotta exercise. Gotta weed the landscaping. I heard my wife say amen. Gotta rake the leaves. That one's coming up. You excited for that? I mean, maybe when I was younger and I got to jump in them. But there's no excitement in me anymore to rake the leaves. There's none. Zilch. Don't want to do that at all. I'll try to mow over them and just chop them up. I don't want to do that. You know, because you get that feeling of I just don't want to do it. I just don't feel like it. You know, and don't you hate it though? <laughs> Almost every time, once you do it, you feel better that it's done. Every time. Every time. I'm glad I did it. But man, building up the, the want to, sometimes it just never comes. You just have to. One time my neighbor <laughs> wanted to get a goat not to take care of my grass, thankfully. It wasn't that bad. But the neighbor had moved and there was no one taking care of their yard. And he said, he said let's go in and get a goat so they can take care of that yard over there. And I thought, it's not going to be long. He's going to be asking me to get a goat. <laughs> Take care of my yard. Oh, hallelujah. Sometimes there's just, I don't feel like it. I just don't want to do it. But this emotion is a big one for the devil to take advantage of. Sometimes you just got to do it anyway. Even if you don't feel like doing it. Maybe you don't feel like coming to church today. Ever experience, don't raise your hand. Ever experience, you're here on Wednesday night. It's not you. Ever feel like I just don't want to come to church? Or once you're here, just not feel like worshiping? Ever get that way? I guess I'm being a little transparent. Sometimes just not feeling, just, I don't know what it is. Nothing's wrong. I'm just not, woo, feeling it today. You know, and, and you start to think, well, I, maybe, maybe something's wrong because I'm just not feeling it. But hold on. Sometimes you just have to do it anyway. Sometimes you learn throughout your walk with God that certain things you don't do just because you feel like it. Because the feel like it won't ever come. Amen? Amen? <laughs> I don't remember ever clicking my heels together. It's time to fast. Woo! Can't wait to get fasting tomorrow. So excited. Gonna not drink my coffee. That's a hard one. Oh, I think sometimes when you're meaningful fast during the 40 days of fire, I hate that one. I do. I hate that one. I hope the Lord really honors it. Because giving up my coffee. Hallelujah. That's worse than fasting all day long. But the fasting all day long requires giving up the coffee too. It's terrible. But I've never been excited to fast. I've never just got up and woo. Normally, I'm dreading it. <laughs> I'm being honest. There are benefits to the spirit in the spiritual world. I know that. And there are, the Lord, it's clear that fasting is a very important spiritual discipline. But the word is discipline. Doesn't mean I want to do it. And if I'm honest, sometimes I'm thinking, okay, what is the most, what is the least thing that I can do that still is a sacrifice? What can I give up, Lord, that's still meaningful, but is not terrible? And then I'm always convicted about it, because that's not how this works anyways. 
my mom used to make fun of me. She said I had a Shane fast. She called it a Shane fast when I was young, probably nine or ten. And I'd say, Mom, I'm going to fast today. And then she'd say, well, I got I to gotta go eat this bowl of cereal to give me strength to fast the rest of the day. And then about lunchtime would come, I got to eat this peanut butter and jelly sandwich just to keep my, my strength up so I can fast the rest of the day. She called it a Shane fast. I don't remember that at all. But if it counts, Lord, I'm in. Can I have a Shane fast? But we're Holy Ghost filled, so we don't do things because we feel like it. We don't do things necessarily just because it's something we want to do. We know in our spiritual walk with God that, hey, some things we do because the Word says to do it. Sometimes you just got to be obedient and do this stuff. Worship. I'm not feeling it tonight. Not feeling it. But my worship is not predicated by my emotion. Your praise is a response to who he is, not how you're feeling today. And he's worthy of your praise no matter what your emotional state is. But that's hard. And that's why the Bible calls it in the Old Testament and repeats it in the New Testament. It's a sacrifice of praise. That's when it's not easy to raise your hand for whatever reason. Maybe you're just tired. I've been there. But maybe there's a situation going on. Maybe there's a struggle going on. Maybe it's a physical pain you're going through. And then it's really hard to say, Lord, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to put this aside and still raise my hands and worship you. But I do believe that sometimes we have to do it just because we know it's right. We can't let the devil use that against us to sit on our praise because more will come. More devastation, more emotions, more things will come if we're not straightening it out before it gets out of hand. Amen. I've got to keep my heart and mind in check so that even when I feel like oh, I'd just rather sit here, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to praise because I know that's what the Bible says to do. And not just once, over and over and over and over again to bring my praise before the Lord. I do believe in this statement, and uh, I know some out there, I've talked to some people not in church, but some people outside of church who would cringe when I say this, but I do believe in the mantra, fake it till you make it. I think that's totally appropriate in the house of the Lord. Because I don't mean to fake your praise so that other people will say, oh look, Holy Joe over here is praising again. I'm not talking about getting men being men pleasing, right? I'm not talking about faking your praise so that somebody, whatever your motive is, somebody else will see that you are. Or to say, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing bad spiritually because look, I'm praising the Lord over here. Everything's great. I'm not talking about that kind of fake it, but I am talking about when you don't feel like it, when there's a reason that your praise just, it's a struggle to get out some praise, you do it anyways. And you might not feel it, you might not feel like it. The Bible says those people who are doing it for fake have their reward. If they want to be seen of men, they're going to be seen of men. And someone's going to say, oh look, they're worshiping again, and they've got their reward, there it is. And that's it. That's the extent. But when you worship when you don't feel like it because you know the one who's worthy of your praise. When you know the one who's been so good, even in the midst of this trial, he's still been good to me. And you worship and you praise anyways, that's 
a different reward for you. Amen. You sing the songs anyways, but this isn't my favorite song. I wish they wouldn't sing this song or, oh, they're singing it too slow or they're singing it too fast or, uh, I had one young person years ago, we were singing a song and we didn't do it quite right like they play it on the radio. And he let me know every time we sing that song and it's not just the same way they did it on the radio, boy, he was upset about it. Get over it. I don't mean that in a mean way. I just mean it's not about, oh, this is a perfect song about the radio. We're not trying to put on a show. It's not about how good or how fast or anything. It's about the object of our worship, and that is the one who sits on the throne. Amen? We're going to worship him in spirit and in truth, and if the song doesn't quite go the way you expect it to, you might notice, but that's where you're I'm going to do it anyways. That's where the sacrifice of praise comes in, and you say, I don't like this song or I don't feel like worshiping right now but I'm gonna do it anyways I'm gonna I'm gonna fake it but when you fake it there's a a make it when it happens in the spiritual realm when you're faking it till you make it there's gonna be a a make it let me explain it doesn't take very long singing he brought me out of the miry clay he set my feet on the rock doesn't take very long when I start thinking about those words, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. How great is our God. Doesn't take very long before your heart starts saying, oh yes, I know how great is, there is no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. You start thinking, I believe you're my healer. Amen? You start singing. You start singing it anyways. You start singing it despite how you feel. And it doesn't take very long before you start to realize the object of your worship. That emotion, that state you're in starts to flee away and you start to focus on the object of our worship. And that breaks those emotional things. Amen? Almost every time my emotions change as I praise his name. Almost every time. And if it doesn't, there might be more going on. That's okay. If it's a serious struggle, a serious battle, that's all right. That's why we have the family of God. So if you are praying and you are trying to break through and it's just not happening, maybe you go over and ask someone, could you pray for me? Maybe you come up to the altar and let someone else pray over you. Because I believe that's why we have the church body to help us when we can't seem to get out of it ourselves. Amen? Whatever you do, don't just sit there in your emotion. Don't sit there with your hands folded saying, I'm done. I'm going through it. I'm facing the trial. I'm struggling with this emotion. Don't stay there. Do something. Do it even if you don't feel like it. Just do it. It's worship to the Lord. Hallelujah. Recently, talking about emotions and how the devil can use them, I was talking to someone um, that I, not at work, but outside of work that I work with and, and uh, in an organization. And she was talking to me as we were uh, working, we were doing some work. And she said, uh, you know, I grew up around a Pentecostal church. I went to a Pentecostal church a lot of times with my grandma or some family member. I can't remember who it was. It wasn't her normal church, but she went several times to this Pentecostal church. And she told me this, she said, ultimately, she said, I, I thought there was just, there was a lot of emotion. And 
I got what she meant. She was saying that there was a lot of emotion, but maybe not much substance, is what she was implying. There's a lot of emotion, music was going great, there was a lot of shouting, singing, dancing, crying, weeping, Pentecostal worship. And she was saying, well, that just seemed to me like a whole lot of emotion and not necessarily, she didn't say no substance, but I'm pretty sure that's what she was implying. And I, I understand where she was going with that because I've heard that argument before with worship music that uh, sometimes we, we play the music in such a way to manipulate someone's praise. We're going to start soft and then build up to the bridge and then we're going to do a big bridge and then we're going to cut the music and ah, and then we're going to come back around to the bridge and we're going to take it down and we're going to build it back up with the drums and, and I get that. But I will say that music is emotional. Christian music or not, music plays on your emotions. That's the nature of music, and that's the nature of humans. We have an emotional center, and music of all sorts plays on your emotion. You wouldn't be listening to that woo, happy, fun, fast song if you were feeling down and sad. And if you are listening to a fast song, probably won't be too long before your toe starts tapping. You know, because we're just, that's who we are. So I don't, I don't have a problem with our worship music. I don't believe that we, or should, manipulate anybody intentionally. But I do believe that music does play on our emotions and that in our relationship with God, we cannot separate our emotions. We are emotional beings. God made us that way. And we should respond to our creator with our emotions. Certainly when it comes to real encounters with God, there will be those who fake and manipulate. And you're, you're not in this very long before you probably meet someone that Holy Ghost just kind of lets you know maybe that wasn't done in, in the right spirit. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe somebody said something, did something, and, and you can tell that that's probably not the right spirit. That's, that's the Holy Ghost giving you discernment. And I believe that. There's always going to be a fake. The devil's always going to make a fake when there's something real. When we have the real truth of God's word, there's always going to be some, some level of some fake in there. But I do not believe that we should not have an emotional service because it's emotional. I don't believe that at all. John, 1 John 4, 8 says this. 1 John 4, 8 says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And love is an emotion. God is an emotion. And so my response to God probably will involve some emotion. I see it. Everything that, have, that I've been going through in the world is also emotional. What do you mean? Everything I've battled has messed with my emotions. I've dealt with fear. I've dealt with anxiety. I've dealt with worry and stress and loneliness, shame, guilt, depression. Been there? We've all done, dealt with some of that. Well, then my worship ought to be the exact opposite of that fear that God delivered me from. If I can't meet him with the joy from my depression, whatever depression I was going through, if I can't meet him with the great, the same amount of joy, he delivered me. This is my emotional pushback. 
this is my ability to sort of punch the devil because I was in fear and now I have peace that passes understanding. Amen? I was in despair, but I have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. I don't have to worry about whether my response is emotional or not. My response should be emotional. I can't find a verse except every now and then it says, Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Otherwise, it's clap your hands, shout unto the Lord, leap for joy. All of those things that are a physical showing of an emotional feeling that I'm feeling. Right? If I'm going to respond to the Lord, it should be emotional. Hallelujah. I don't have to worry if my, you know, if I am in the presence of the Lord, you might see me cry. I know that's a shocker. <laughs> I had a Sunday school student one time recently since I've been working downstairs. He said, oh, oh, you're that guy who cries all the time on the, in front. I did seek the Lord about that. Lord, I don't, I don't want to cry. I don't cry for anything. You can ask my wife. I don't cry for sappy movies or any, or any of that stuff that most people might tear up for. Mm -mm. Nope. But you, you say Jesus. I don't know. I don't, and I prayed, Lord, I don't, I don't want to just be the guy known as the crier. I, don't, I want to. And so I tried to respond in other ways. I would look at other people who don't cry but still worship. And I would try to mimic that. And I wasn't getting anywhere. And finally, the Lord just said, this is, I created you. This is your worship. You just do it. So pardon me if I cry a little bit. I can't help it. He's been too good to me. He's been so good to me. He's made waves out of no ways. He's been too good. And sometimes, more often than not, probably there's going to be a tear or two. But that's okay because I also might leap for joy. I might do a jig. I might wave my hands. I might take a lap. <clears throat> might. Because he set me free. He set me free. I was blind, but now I see. I can't help but respond to him in emotion. I can't possibly sit down on my hands and say, don't, don't, use, don't express emotion. When I go out and face the world every day and am bombarded by negative emotion, how can I come here and not respond with the same vehemence? I've got to be diligent in my worship with him. Who cares who's watching because it's not about you. It's about what he's done. It's about him. It's about who he is. And even if he hasn't been that good to you, which if you're breathing, he's been good to you. But even if you say he hasn't been that good to me, he's still worthy just because of who he is. He's worthy whether he's been good to you or not. He's worthy of your highest praise because of who he is. Amen? Why? Why does it matter that we worry about our emotions, that we're careful to guard our hearts, quickly go to the Spirit and ask Him to clean us up if we're facing some emotions that aren't based in the Bible or aren't based in the Holy Ghost. Because obviously the devil can use that to get us off track and to make problems for us in our spiritual walk. But also, God, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, it says, What know ye not that your body is the temple 
of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own. Verse 20, for you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Even in my emotions, I'm going to glorify God. I'm not, I'm bought with a price. He said, I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. Now, if I am a temple of the Holy Ghost, then that's heavy because God is holy. God is pure and he wants to dwell here. And if that holiness is going to dwell here, I might want to think about cleaning house. I might want to make sure that if he's going to dwell there, there can't be perfect peace in a storm at the same time. You can't be going through and be frustrated and angry and claim to have peace at the same time. Either you're dealing with the frustration or you're claiming peace, but you can't be both. And so if the Holy Ghost is dwelling in you and you're just frustrated about something, is that where the Lord should dwell? Is that what dwelling place you want the Lord to dwell in? I've got to let my heart match up with who's dwelling in me. Lord, let my emotions be centered, be controlled. If I get out of whack, quickly wash me again. Cleanse this vessel. Cleanse this holy temple so that you can dwell here. I was thinking and studying and the people of Israel greatly profaned the temple several times throughout its history. And I'm just talking about the first temple. The first temple, Solomon's temple. There were many times that they had set up idols in the temple. It just floors me when I think how even the priests would allow that to happen, that the priests would allow for an idol to be set up within the temple. Anywhere in Israel, it shouldn't have happened. But to be in the temple, whew, that was a, I just hope I never find out how that can happen. And then I thought, not only did they set up idols, one time they were good enough to start cleaning out all that stuff and they found the book of the Lord. They found the word of God. And I don't know which is worse, that it was missing or that they didn't even realize it was missing. They lost the word of God and they found it and then still struggled throughout the rest of their history with more idols being put in, taken out. And then even when they claimed later on that it was clean, that they were serving the Lord right, the time of Jeremiah and later Ezekiel. Ezekiel writes about measuring the temple. You might remember if you've read this passage in Ezekiel where they're going through and measuring the temple. And finally the Lord says, go, go dig a hole through this wall over here in the temple. It's, he's having a vision. It's not the temple. In fact, the temple at this point had been destroyed. But he's having a vision of the temple and he, he says, dig a hole through this wall. And he, he starts to dig through this wall and he finds a door and he opens the door. And you know what he finds in the holy temple? A room full of idolatry. Idols on the walls, everything. All kinds of terrible things in the temple and then he goes around and he says go go to the front so Ezekiel goes to the front and he finds the leaders in Israel facing the east worshiping the sun this is in the temple 
How can they let that happen? And I was praying about that, and it was like the Lord convicted me because I don't have a, an idol that I might set up in my home, but boy, in my heart, is there a room hidden away that you might have to even dig to get into that you're locking up some stuff? Is there stuff you're not allowing the Lord to cleanse that you're just keeping away hidden? It was heavy for me. I said, Lord, if there is something anywhere, you search my mind, you search my heart, you go through every corner, you knock down walls, you dig through doors, whatever you've got to do. If there's something in there that's displeasing to you, that's going to affect the relationship that I have with you, that's going to allow emotions to make me unstable, Lord, you go through and you clean house and you pick apart every little thing because I want to be pure for you to dwell in. The holiness, the holy one, the, the one who inhabits eternity, the great I am, he dwells here. And if that spirit's going to dwell here, then Lord, clean me out. I'm thankful for mercy. We make mistakes all the time, and that blood covers a lot of sin. Amen. Washes it white as snow, and I might be pure today and mess up tomorrow morning, and the Lord can still forgive. Amen. I'm not talking about that, but Lord, I want that desire to keep my emotions pure, keep my heart pure so that I can be the temple of the Holy Ghost and your presence can dwell in me. No matter what I face, we know the devil's devices. And you can stand. I'll close. We know the devil's devices. The Bible says it. We're not ignorant of his devices. And the fact that we are emotional beings and how he can play on our frustration, how he can play on our emotions, how he can get a root of bitterness. And then if we're not careful, he can let that root of bitterness grow. Lord, purify my heart. Keep me clean so that you can dwell here. And not only so that you can dwell here, but I can have peace in the storm. I can have emotional stability. I can do my due diligence to keep my heart right. And if my emotions start to get out of whack, they're a gauge. They're a gauge where I can say, what's going on? Something isn't right. I'm feeling anxious. Lord, why am I feeling anxious? What's going on in here that I haven't let you cover? What am I not taking care of? What am I not giving to you? Let those emotions be a guide, but they're not the ones leading you. God is leading you. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, for your wonderful word. I thank you, Lord, that you've called us not to be ignorant of how the enemy might attack. Lord, that we would recognize quickly when our emotions get out of whack, get off course, get off base, when we're not centered in you. Help us to quickly bring that back in and put it at your feet, lay it at the cross, and let you wash us again in the Prince of Peace. Cover us, Lord. We love you. We thank you, God. We give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. me to the place where your peace and your love overflow, where my heart is set free from all shame and guilt, chains are undone.